0: Okay, we're in a series called Discover Joy or maybe Rediscover Joy. Not been a lot of joy the last year and a half. It's really a series about grace. And today's topic is transforming grace or changing grace. Now, life is full of inevitables. Uh, Flat tires, sickness, accidents, uh, struggles in relationships, uh, things happen at work, Uh, Your teenager may not come home at curfew time, whatever it might be. Uh, We have these inevitable problems, we'll use the problems, difficulties in our life. Now, you and I have a choice how to respond when those inevitables affect us in our lives. Um, Giving a a historical illustration or example... There was a famous uh, violinist uh, <clears throat> uh, in the late 1700s, early 1800s, hundreds. His <clears throat> name was Paganini. He was Italian. And he was world famous. Played to, you know, standing-only crowds. So one time he was performing and a full house with a full orchestra. And he's playing. And uh, he gets to the, the final piece Uh, this violin concerto, difficult piece to play. And he begins playing, and all of a sudden, one of the strings on the violin break. Of course, he was a a genius, uh, and so he continued playing this difficult piece of music with just three strings. Well, strangely may may be, another string broke. And so again, he continues to play without stopping uh, this difficult concerto with two strings, half his strings. Believe it or not, the third string breaks. And so, again, because of his brilliance, he continues to play that difficult concerto on one string. And so when he got finished, the applause was just deafening. It went on and on. And normally, there would be an encore. Uh, the audience would stop, and they would play again, but nobody expected it because, of course, he only had one string left. So Paganini stands, he raises his his Violin and it says Paganini with one string, and continues to play the concerto with one string. Broken strings are inevitable in life. You and I get to choose how we're going to respond. Let's start with a verse. Uh, Paul is instructing us to have a certain attitude. He says, "You now, if you're not a Jesus follower, you're not required to do this, but us Jesus followers." This is an instruction to us. He said, you, you and I, believers, must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Now, Paganini had bulldogged persistence, didn't he? And nobody had more persistence than Jesus Christ. If you read the New Testament, it says over and over again, I'm headed toward Jerusalem, I'm headed toward Jerusalem, which we knew eventually meant the cross, and nothing was going to divert him from that task and of course persistence to suffer and die on a cross for you and I now what do we expect healthy things to do if you have a healthy garden a healthy plant healthy tree what do you expect to do you expect it to grow right um, healthy child little child here uh, a healthy child will do what grow all right. Uh, reading Luke in, I was reading Luke this week and it says describing Jesus as a child he grew in wisdom and stature with God and with man. Wisdom, mind, stature, physically and then in relationship with other people and with God. That's what we want to see in everyone. Eventually we stop growing physically, right? A certain height. But the other other areas you and I need to continue to grow to be healthy. So, We're going to talk about growth, we're going to talk about change, growth is change, and how you and I can do that. You and I grow, spiritually anyway, as a result of God's grace. Without God's grace, you and I would not grow, we would not be healthy, we would not not prosper. So I'm going to give you some, some insight, hopefully, into God's transforming grace. So, how to be transformed by God's grace First, by changing the way you think. that might be, not be what you think we should do, but a pretty familiar passage of Scripture in Romans chapter two, it says exactly that. Paul's writing this and he says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. All right, so Jesus followers are supposed to be different from people that aren't Jesus followers, hopefully in a good way. Let God, here's our word, transform you or change you into a new person. Uh, I was reading a prayer this morning. It said, thank you, God, for second chances. New person, second chance. But how does he do that? By changing the way you and I think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you. Why would you want to know God's will? Well, because it is good, pleasing, and perfect. So this... Word transform, uh, best way for us to think about it or illustrate it or understand it, it, you probably did this as a child or maybe you did it in your biology class. You took a caterpillar and put it in a jar. You ever do that? Anybody ever do that? All right. So it's in the jar. Eventually it makes a cocoon around itself. And then after some, a few days later, what happens? It turns into a butterfly, right? That's called Metamorphosis. That's the word here, transform. It's made into a, a, appears to be a new creature. You and I are made into new people. Uh, Again, this happens by changing the way we think. Humorous story. Uh, Father and son from a third world country landed in America. They went to a big mall and there was these doors that would open and close. And they were fascinated with it. They'd never seen anything like that before. So this little old lady gets into this, opens these doors, gets in, doors close, time passes. A little while later, the doors open again, and there's this beautiful 24-year-old woman there. And the guy, dad says to his son, "Go get your mom." <laughs> little uh, immature, uh, But transformation. I think we all would prefer to... Now, I I don't want to be 24 again, let me say that. (laughs) I don't want to have to live this life again. Uh, But we all could use a little improving, couldn't we? Or transforming or changing. Now, attitude is something that comes from the inside that we can see on the outside. Uh, It doesn't always have to be verbal. Um, Have you ever been in traffic jams? Uh, there's a lot of attitude usually, bad attitude. Uh, unless people are beeping your horns, there's usually not much noise. <clears throat> um, God was asking a restaurant owner one time, if um, is it true that sometimes the folks add a little thing to your meal? And he didn't answer yes or no. He only said, you'd be amazed what you can hide in sour cream. So let me just warn you, not to have a bad attitude, especially at a fast food restaurant. You may get a little extra with your meal. Uh, But others do not determine your attitude. We often blame it on other people, right? No. You and I are responsible for our own attitudes. So how do we change the way we think? Well, we have to think about the thoughts we think or what we put in here. The thoughts we think. A verse we've used before, a, a proverb, says, guard your heart or mind, guard this thing up here. Above all else, this is like utmost importance. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. Things you and I think determine the course of your life. Think good things, good things happen. Think bad things, bad things happen. Uh, Think about this. I don't know if anybody has a high-performance car. But if you want to get the best performance out of a high-performance car, you don't put the cheapest gasoline in there, do you? It'll run. It won't run very well. It won't run the best. So you and I need to put high test in here, so to speak, right? To get the best performance out of it. We talked about this before also. If I took the top off of this... And I shake it, what's going to come out? Whatever's in there, and I know you don't know what's in there. Um, but uh, it is water in there, by the way. Uh, so if I shake that, coffee's not going to come out, tea's not going to come out. The only thing can come out is what's in. And when we hit life's inevitabilities and we get shaken um, And what comes out, sometimes we don't take responsibility for it, do we? We blame it on the circumstance, we blame it on the person, but no, no, no. The only thing that can come out is what's in. We need to take responsibility for what's in when the strings of life get broken. So, the thoughts we think. Secondly, the company we keep. This is critical. The company we keep. Here's a proverb, uh, a scripture talks about this, but there's a, a, a proverb in our culture um, one bad apple spoils a whole bunch, right? Uh, let's read what Paul wrote in Corinthians. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. You have to go back and read the context. But here's, the, here's what we want to focus on bad company corrupts good character. So I'm going to say that business success is determined by the people you work with, or failure. Parents. That's why you're so concerned about who your kids hang out with, right? Um, You're trying to raise them to have good character, and if they start hanging around with somebody with bad character, it can bring them down. I love the illustration of of the geese. You've used this one before. uh, They're going to fly south in that V-shape, right? It's really cool looking, but it's not just cool looking, There is a purpose behind it. And scientists tell us, I don't know how they figure this out, but anyway, that the geese behind the lead geese has to use 71% less energy to fly. Isn't that amazing? Just by following a lead one. We we have this in car racing and bicycle racing called drafting, right? Um, And so we too can have a 71% boost if we hang out with good people, if we hang around people of good character. And that's what's so cool and fun about being, quote unquote, in church with people of good character. And thirdly, the problems we possess. The problems we possess. Now, I love acrostics. People come with these acrostics and... And so I, I'm borrowing one here. But I think it'll help us understand the problem that we possess. I couldn't think of a better word maybe that occurred to us. Uh, the problems in our life. So P stands for what? It's a predictor. It's a predictor. It can predict what's in here, right? When the problems come, when my life gets shaken, it can predict what's really inside By what comes out. By response. So it's a predictor. Problems are also a reminder. They're a reminder. Is life easy? Anybody? Life easy? Your life easy? Anybody? Nobody's got their hand up. (laughs) Not surprising, right? It's a reminder that life is tough. We live in a fallen world. Bad things happen. Even to good people, quote unquote. So it's a reminder. Problems are a reminder That life isn't easy. Thirdly, O stands for opportunity. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Problems are just problems. No, problems are opportunity. Every problem is an opportunity to grow. An opportunity to solve something, isn't it? To come out better. So that leads to the the next word. The B stands for blessing. Do I need to think of problems as blessings? Well... Jesus had a half brother and he wrote part of the New Testament called the book of James and he's really in your face. I might even do a sermon series, teaching series on the book of James. So he starts his letter. I'm going to read, this is the, what we call the second verse. All right. He's just starting the letter. He's just starting the conversation. Here it is, James chapter one. Dear brothers and sisters, you're my brothers and sisters, we're family. <laughs> when Troubles, problems of any kind come your way. Lose your cool? No. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. We're trying to discover joy. Most of us don't think, well, problems are my my path to joy. Yes. As a Jesus follower, because of God's transforming grace... Troubles are an opportunity for joy because they're an opportunity for growth. When you grow, doesn't it bring you joy? When your children grow, doesn't it bring them joy? Are you joy also? So an opportunity for joy. Moving on. L stands for lessons. There's lessons to be learned in our problems. Lessons about ourselves, lessons about life. Bible's full of illustrations. I'm just going to use one. This guy named Samson. And he probably had more potential than almost anybody would read about in Scripture. But Samson made a lot of bad choices. And most of you know this story. And especially bad choices with women. <laughs> and eventually he made the ultimate bad choice and with Delilah. He told him it was a secret to his power, God-given power. And consequently, he lost it. And he was imprisoned. But he learned his lesson. And he hu- was humbled. And then he gave glory to God in his dying act. So there's lessons to be learned. Hopefully we'll learn a lesson from Samson to not get in that situation. <clears throat> e stands for everywhere. Know anybody about any problems? They're everywhere, aren't they? And, and it's good to remind us of that because when sometimes when we, get, we are in our problems, we, we do not think about anybody else's problems. And we're going to come, the next point's going to be, no, 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 we can't be self-focused. Uh, that's part of the real problem that's been the last year and a half. What has COVID done to us? It's caused us to be what? Self-focused. I've got to protect myself. And so, consequently, a lot of ministry has been hindered. And the M stands for message. God has a message for you and I in our problems. Again, something to be learned. I love the, the phrase, God is more interested in our character than our comfort. Now, parents, you understand this, right? You don't make life as easy as possible for your kids. Because they're going to turn out as spoiled brats, right? And so you give them chores, you give them responsibilities, you give them restrictions of different sort. And when they don't obey, you discipline them so that they will grow into responsible adults, right? All good parents do that, and God does the same with us. <clears throat> he wants to grow us, and so problems is a major way He does that. So. Focus on our minds. Secondly, what do we need to do? Secondly, next play next. How to transform by grace is choose. I didn't do the s. I'm sorry, my mistake. They're solvable. All problems are solvable. They not seem to, but they are. So, secondly, choose to focus on others. Others. Um, Paul wrote this in Philippians. We already read one. We started with one verse. Uh, chapter 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try and oppress others. Be humble. Here's something we have struggled with. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Whew, I don't know if i do that. Don't look out only for your own interests. That's natural. But take an interest in in others. It's strange. If you want to sell a book, if you write a self-help book, you can probably sell it. (laughs) Especially cookbook for some reason. Um, Nowadays it's blogs, right? And and so forth. And people write all this advice. And a lot of it is selfish, right? It's self-centered. Now, I try and take care of myself. Um, Most of you know that. Um, but we can't just focus on ourselves. Uh, read this article once years ago, and it just, I had a laugh every time I read it. It was in one of these self-help uh, magazines, <clears throat> and it was talking about your hair. And it said, do you know your hair has five enemies? You know that? Now, most of you think, well, I understand the sun's an enemy and, and uh, blow-drying's an enemy. Another enemy is hard water. I have hard water at my house. Maybe you don't, but that's a problem. Pollution. But the fifth one, hair stress. (laughs) Do you put your hair under stress? Maybe that's why we have less hair. But anyway, we can be so self-focused. I love this story about a school teacher. I love school teachers. I love teachers. I consider myself a teacher. And um, she was a fourth grade teacher. Her name was Miss Thompson. And each year when the school started, she would tell her class, uh, I have no favorites, I, I like you all the same, but the truth was she didn't. And there was one child one year by the name of Teddy, and he was kind of disheveled and didn't do very well in school and kind of uh, didn't have any friends. And, and she didn't like Teddy as much as the other kids. And in fact, she tells a story that she actually enjoyed marking things wrong on his paper. And so school, school year was going on and it came to Christmas time. And Miss Thompson knew Eddie's history. I guess school teachers can see your records. Anyway, first grade, it said, it, Eddie, um, Teddy um, struggles a little bit. Home life isn't very good. Uh, grade two... Teddy continues to struggle, not doing very well. His mother is really sick at home. Uh, Grade three, Teddy is becoming uh, more um, reserved and quiet and really struggling with his studies. His mom just died. So Miss Thompson has him in fourth grade. Anyway, Christmas time comes. Teacher got presents from the kids and she's opening their presents. She gets to this one. It says, for Miss Thompson, from Teddy. It's wrap, wrapped in a brown paper with Scotch tape. And she opens it and it's, a, it's a, um, an old rhinestone bracelet with half the rhinestones missing and a half a bottle of cheap perfume. And the kids are all laughing. Miss Thompson says, no, no, no. And she puts on the bracelet, puts on some of the perfume and says... Isn't this pretty and don't I smell good? The kids kind of caught on. So after class, everybody leaves except for Teddy. And Teddy comes up and says to Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, um, my mom's bracelet looks really pretty on you. And you smell a lot like her. And Tommy left. Teddy left, excuse me. Anyway, Miss Thompson was changed that day. And she no longer... Found delight in marking Teddy's answers wrong. In fact, she became an encourager of Teddy, and, and Teddy became the most, made the most progress that year of anybody in her class. And of course, then he moved on. So she didn't hear from him for years. One day she gets this letter. Miss Thompson, this is Teddy. I just want I wanted you to be the first to know. I'm graduating high school, second in my class. Love, Teddy. Time goes by. Four more years go by. It's a letter from Teddy. Dear Miss Thompson, I wanted you to be the first to know I'm graduating first in my class from the university. It's been tough. Love, Teddy. Four more years pass. She gets another letter. Dear Miss Thompson, I just wanted you to know Now I'm Theodore Stoddard, M.D. And I'm getting married in a few months, and I'd like you to come. My father's died, I have no family, and I'd like you to sit where my mother would sit. And of course, Miss Thompson went and attended that wedding. Miss Thompson was transformed, which led to transformation of Teddy and her other students. See, we make a living by what we get. But we make a life by what we give. Focus on others. Thirdly, how to be transformed by grace? Charge through the quitting points. You ever been to a quitting point? Um, Most of you know I'm a long-distance runner. (laughs) Sometimes you get to that place where you just don't think you can take another step. You're at the quitting point. Maybe you're at a quitting point at your job. You don't know if you can go another day because of a boss or some other employee. Some of you have been at quitting points in, in your marriages with your spouse. And consequently, there's been divorce. All parents have been feel like a quitting point with your kids, right? I'm going to pull your hair out when they won't obey. And some of you, maybe some of you watching, some of you here, may be at that quitting point in your relationship with God. God, if if you're going to let life treat me this way, thanks, but no thanks. Let me ask you: Which is easier, quitting or charging through? It's always easier to quit, isn't it? Maybe because I'm a runner, uh, one of my most inspirational stories to me is about a, a runner from the 92 Olympics named Derek Redmond, and he was in the 400-meter <laughs> semifinals. 400 meters, you run around the track as fast as you can. I can't imagine trying to do that. And he was a world-class runner from England. He was expected to do pretty well. And we'll show you a short video about what happened in the Summer Olympics of 92. a hamstring and never tore one. Imagine all the training. Officially, in the record books, it says race abandoned. But that's anything but what happened, wasn't it? He was at a quitting point. He wasn't going to quit. And of course, his dad couldn't legally, officially come beside him charged through the quitting point. See, God has a way of getting our attention to the broken strings of life, doesn't he? And you and I have a choice. Reading again from Scriptures in Philippians chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, Paul's writing, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race. I use all my energy to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And also in in Romans, Paul wrote this. For we can rejoice, there's our word again, when we run into problems and trials. Why, Why should we do that? For we know that they are good for us. Well, how are they good for us? Endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. Muscles need resistance to grow. Your faith needs, and by God's grace, he'll grow us. We are told we're going to stand before God's throne one day. And I hope to hear these words, and I I, I assume that you also want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Did you charge through the quitting point? Let me finish up real quickly. How to be transformed by grace. Chart a course for growth. Got to have a plan. Scripture says, the word, your word, God, your word, has treasured and, and <clears throat> treasured and stored up in my heart. <clears throat> this is in Psalms. That I might not sin against you. So again, what goes in comes out. So we need to put God's word in here. A couple of ways we can do that. First is memorize it. I'm not good at memorizing word for word, but I really do focus on memorizing the content, the meaning. So I'm going to give you a suggestion for five days this week—a verse to focus on, to memorize, if you will. So on Monday, here he is. Why should I be concerned about my future when the Bible says, "For I know the plans I have for you," says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, none of us knows the future. None of us knows what's going to happen. Probably a good thing. But God knows. So you and I can relax in knowing that God's plan for us is for good and not for disaster. Secondly, personalize. Personalize. Personalize Scripture. Um, Tuesday, for example. Why should I be afraid when the Bible says God has given, not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline? How do you personalize that? You put me in there. God has not given me. See, that seems to have a little different impact, doesn't it, when you read it that way? God has not given me a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and self-discipline. And then always analyze, analyze. Wednesday, for example, why should I worry when the Bible says, and we used this verse a few weeks ago, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. There's anxieties that come when we those strings break, when the inevitable happens to us. A couple more, Thursday and Friday. Thursday, why should I feel worthless when the Bible says God bought you with a high price? You're bought with a high price. So honor God with your body. And Friday, why should I say I can't? <clears throat> when the Bible says, I, and this is already personalized for you, right? For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. What are your inevitables in your life? And what is your attitude? Uh, kind of an older song now. Stephen Curtis Chapman song. I just want to go through the words of the chorus. Uh, <clears throat> I think it gives us a good perspective on how we ought to deal with the inevitables of life. Saddle up your horses. We've got a trail to blaze. Love the third line. Through the wild blue yonder of God's amazing grace. Let's follow our leader into glorious unknown. It's unknown, but it's glorious. This is a life that has no other like no other. This is the great adventure that you and I get to live because of God's transforming grace. We should leave it with, leave it with enthusiasm. And the word enthusiasm means in or within God. That's my prayer for you this morning. Let me pray with you. <clears throat> Father God, thank you. <sighs> Can I thank you for the problems in my life? I thank you for the growth that you've brought and it's been through problems. We thank you that you are a God that wants good for us, your children. In fact, all all your word is to help us live a good life. And God, we thank you that you, your grace is amazing. Your forgiveness is unlimited. We thank you for second, third, and fourth chances. And we thank you for the opportunity to one day join you in heaven. And so we pray for anyone that may not be a Jesus follower, maybe with little interest or maybe with a lot of interest. Do you take seriously what God has to say? Because your life is going to have inevitables. You do it with help with God's grace or do it on your own. God wants to help. Invite him into your life. Let him come alongside you. You will be a new person. You'll be born again. And you'll begin to grow in God's grace. I pray that prayer for you. Father God, thank you that you go with us as we leave this place. And it's for your glory we ask these things. Amen.